Good morning, everybody, and welcome to everybody at home as well. I invite you to take some opportunity with us to pray wherever you are. And I love that first song that we listened to this morning. Thank you, Kathy. A couple of those words. When I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Isn't that a challenge to us, that those battles that we're facing in our own lives or the things that we see going on around the world, the Lord gives us a way to handle that and a way to bring those requests to him. And that's on our knees with our hands lifted high in thankfulness for who he is and all that he's done for us. So let's close our eyes and pray. Father, in a world that feels like it's reeling with handling so many different situations in different countries, natural disasters, the pandemic that we're dealing with, changing political situations and climates. Father, we pray that your perfect love would drive away the fears that we have and that we would know that our feet are on a solid rock, that you are our good and faithful Father and that none of the situations that we see around us change who you are, change your authority or change your sovereignty. So, Lord, help us to be your children that trust you and walk with you and allow you to lead us. We're going to pray for a few situations around the world. Lord, we pray for Pastor John in Ghana, watching the video last week of the work that's happening in the school. It is so exciting to know that we can be part of that in a real way. And we ask, Father, that the monies that we give would be used with great wisdom and that you would multiply them, that they would meet the needs right now, but that they would also be sown into the future of that country and into each of those families' lives. And we look forward to the day when we can see a finished building that's got nothing to do with a building, but everything to do with your faithfulness and the way that you want to use that place to educate, inspire and empower children and adults. So we pray that you would bless Pastor John, that you would continue to give him eyes and vision to see far beyond the walls of those buildings. And help us to be generous in our giving. Lord, we pray for situations in Canada where they're dealing with wildfires and extreme temperatures on top of incredibly strict restrictions over the last year. We pray for those in emergency services who are fighting those fires. Please give them the stamina that they need. Sustain their families. We know from our experience in Australia what a stressful, scary time that can be. So we pray that your peace would be in abundance and that your people would be shining your light. Lord, we pray for our political leaders in the wake of the G7 meeting recently and also as the leaders of different world powers can seem to be jostling for attention and for their place moving forward. We ask for your wisdom and your discernment for those who have so much authority that they would lead with grace and that those who know you would trust you 
And we thank you, Lord, that we look back through the Bible and we see the way that you still direct the paths of countries and nations, even when they're not realising it. So we pray that you would have your way, Lord Jesus. And we pray finally for the situation across so many countries where there is famine on the back of all that's been happening. And we think of Ethiopia with thousands who are struggling with just the basics. Lord, we pray that the resources would get to where they need and that you would watch over and protect your people. I'm finally going to read from Philippians and then I'm going to invite you to take a few minutes just to pray for the needs that you may have personally. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts, and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Take a moment, whether you're at home or with us here in the building, to bring your personal specific requests to the Lord and know that he hears us and he fights that battle on our behalf. Lord, thank you that when we focus on who you are, on all that you've done for us, it's so much easier to rest in that peace. So keep our eyes focused on you this week and beyond, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Joe. That's my privilege to welcome uh, David to the stage. If you didn't know already, it would have been a, a bit of a giveaway with what's on the on the seats and on the screens before us. That we have uh, compassion uh, to come and, and share with us the good work that they're doing across the world. And David's also going to bring us the word as well. So, David, I welcome you to the stage. David and I met earlier in the year, was February. And uh, found out that Dave was a, a pastor of a, a church as well uh, in your earlier days. Yes. And also went through the process of finding a building and funding it and, and all the joys of that. So we uh, shared something in common there. And uh, it's a real honour to have you come and share with us. Uh, Joe and I have been sponsoring Compassion Children for a great number of years. We just love the work that they do across the world in, in using the gospel uh, to go forward. So we welcome David as he comes to share with us. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's great to be with you. And uh, yes, I've been a pastor for many years. I started with a full head of hair and uh, 
You got something to look forward to, Sam? No. <laughs> but God bless you, and uh, I'm so pleased that you have a heart for Africa, for Ghana. And uh, we've been working in, in Ghana for many years with compassion, and there's great need there. So God bless you in uh, your heart for Ghana. Um, I just want to honor your pastor. Uh, Zachariah tells us, without the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. So look after your pastor. Thank you so much, Sam, for allowing me to come and share with you. We uh, really appreciate it. I've got a video that I'd like to show you. It goes for a few minutes from Ghana, giving an update of what's happening in the country right at this very moment. So if I could have that, that would be wonderful. Hello, I'm from Ghana. My name is Gifty Daswa Apia, and I serve as the National Director for Compassion International in Ghana. This year, we celebrate our 15th year of ministry in Ghana. We started off with 1,000 children. Today, we can talk about almost 90,000 children and still counting. COVID-19 with its far-reaching effects have really also impacted our programming here in Ghana. I must say it's been wonderful in the sense that our FCPs have been very cooperative and very proactive in responding to the needs of beneficiaries, especially in times like this where food security happens to be a very difficult issue because a number of the caregivers have lost their jobs. The little money that they had to put food on the table is no more. And clearly, once it's no more, it becomes and puts pressure on the whole family. And that is where we come in. Compassion, together with the church, has stepped in and um, we are providing food baskets to the families to alleviate this food insecurity a little bit. And we are also providing for them hygiene materials like soap, tissue papers, so that they are able to keep themselves protected from the coronavirus. The third priority is also to ensure that these children are protected. And so we are working very hard, all means possible. Through Zoom, we are doing vigorous community education on child protection. All the families, beneficiary families have been so grateful. Some caregivers come up with testimony that in times like this, when I was at my wit's end, you came in to support. You are just a blessing God gave us to bless all of us. So these are things that they say to us to convey to our sponsors and donors. So your support, even in these difficult times, is very, very important. And thank you that you continue to give. It's going a long way to save lives. Even when you are also impacted, you look beyond your situation and you give. That idea alone brings hope. When we say there is hope in Christ, this demonstrates it. This gives substance to it. And we want to say thank you. And we pray that even as you are, you are doing this for us in these difficult times, I pray that the Lord will also meet you at the point of your need in whatever it is that you do. May he continue to protect you. May he continue to um, provide for you. And may he continue to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Approximately 90,000 children, Compassion, 
minister to. So um, thank God for uh, the church over there because we work with the local churches in Ghana. Jesus more powerful than poverty. Um, poverty is a terrible thing. It says to children that you are of no value, you've not got a long life, and uh, you're worthless. But we know that uh, the Word of God says something very different in regard to children. They are valuable, they do have a future, and they have a great purpose. Kingdom business, that's the business of compassion. As you heard, I was a pastor for 25 years, and um, I'm still very happy to be in kingdom business. And uh, the work of compassion is about the kingdom. And the reason we exist is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Um, that's our mission statement. That's who we are. Um, God's heart is for the poor. In Leviticus, which I'm sure is one of your favorite books, um, <laughs> God speaks to Israel and says, when you harvest the land, make sure you leave the corners for the poor. And if you're familiar with the book of Ruth, when Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem as widows and in poverty, um, Ruth was sent by Naomi to go to the field and to glean in the corner, the corner for the poor. In fact, she gleaned so well, she ended up marrying the owner of the land, uh, Boaz, and became the great-grandmother of King David. So, ladies, if you're looking for a man, learn how to glean. <laughs> I'm sure that's not politically correct. Um, God's heart's also for children. We know in Matthew 19, when the disciples were shooing away the children, Jesus said, no, let them come to me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In fact, he went on to say, you need to become like children, not childish, but childlike, and display those fruits of the child's life, which is the vulnerability, the openness, the innocence. In fact, Jesus was being very revolutionary then. Because in those days, children should be seen and not heard. And uh, Jesus was highlighting the value of children. The foreigner, again in Leviticus, Jesus, um, God speaks to Israel and says, If a stranger or a foreigner dwells in your land, engage with them, love them, care for them, treat them as one of your own. You see, when God sees people, he doesn't see the color of the skin. He just sees people. And Israel did complain and say, why should we do this? And God says, because one time you too were foreigners. So God's heart's for the poor, for children, and for the foreigner. Compassion began in 1952 during the Korean conflict. This man, Everett Swanson, was a Baptist minister and ministering to the military during that time. It went from 1950 to 1953, and over 5 million people died in that conflict. And as it was the custom of Everett, he would go to Seoul and walk the streets praying for the people and just soaking up the atmosphere. And 
One particular day, he saw a cart coming towards him that he thought was collecting rubbish. It turned out to be dead children. And so he was moved with compassion to do something, and he began the work of compassion. And over a period of time, collected 35 children and looked after them. I'm pleased to say that today, some 70 years later, we are sponsoring 2.2 million children and we work in 25 developing countries. You can see the countries in mustard there. They're the partnership countries and the countries in blue are the beneficiaries. What's interesting to note is uh, that the Korean Peninsula there is uh, a partnership country now where at one time it was a beneficiary. So in 1993, uh, Korea became a, a partnership country. Um, you can see in the, the South America, Africa, and Asia. Um, the distinctives of compassion is that we are a Christ-centered, child-focused, church-based organization. Look, we thank God for all um, organizations that are working with children in poverty. At present, there are 385 million children living in abject poverty. And those figures seem overwhelming. The good news is that 40 years ago, it was 800 million. So it's halved in 40 years, which is wonderful. But we don't want it to take another 40 years to halve again. We want to see it halved again in the next 10 years. So uh, we're passionate about seeing children sponsored and being released from poverty in Jesus' name. We're Christ-centered. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. We um, hold to our values. We, um, we at one time were offered several million, it was around $10 million by United States Aid, and they said, we love the work of compassion, We'd love to give you this money, but our constitution will not allow us to give to a religious organization. So if you can drop the Christ, we can give you the money. And we said he's not for sale. <laughs> we are a Christ-centered organization. We're child-focused. We've got so many stories of children that have been sponsored and got out of poverty. I think of one... Uh, Richmond Wandera, six years old, in a slum in Kampala, Uganda. He was sponsored by a 15-year-old girl in Adelaide who worked at McDonald's. And she sponsored Richmond for over 15 years. And today, Richmond is a pastor in Uganda, and he oversights 3,000 churches. So just wonderful story of from poverty to great influence in that nation. And we're church-based. We only work with local churches. We work with over 8,000 churches in those 25 developing countries. We work through the church. The program is operated by the church. And each program has approximately 250 to 350 children in each of those programs. So um, we're very much a Christian organization. Well, we're actually not an organization, we're a ministry. 
Uh, when you sponsor, and thank you for those that sponsor children here. I've spoken to a few of you this morning that sponsor children. Uh, you are making a massive difference in the lives of individual children. The sponsorship provides education. We pay for the school materials, school uniforms, health care each year. The children get dental checks, health checks, vaccinations that cost very little but are imperative for their good health. Nutritious meals, that goes without saying. And vocational training, which is really important to us. Uh, we are not Centrelink. Not against Centrelink, we think it's wonderful. But our focus is to release children from poverty. So we want to train up the children so they become a resource back to their own families. So we train them and we're very deliberate in that because we want to give a hand up, not continue with a hand out. And of course, being in the church, they get Christian teaching. And the good news is that in the last few decades, each year, 135,000 children every year give their lives to Christ, which is wonderful. It's one of the most fruit, it is the most fruitful ministry that I've ever been part of. So there's just great changes. And the ripple effect, it goes right through the family. It's not just the children, but it goes through the family and the community. So, um, after the service, there's a table at the back there, and my beautiful wife, she loves this part. Carol, just stand up for a second. There she is. And uh, she'll be able to talk to you about these beautiful children. I've got little Tete, who is uh, in Ghana. She's uh, nine years old, and she's been waiting 270 days for a sponsor. Now, on your chairs... We deliberately put them there because we believe that the prayers of the righteous avail much. So I'd love you to just take a hold of the, those pictures of those children because we're going to pray for them. I can pick up that you are a praying church, which is wonderful. These children need help and part of the help is our prayers. Father, we just lift up these children before you and we pray for them. We pray that they be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Our prayer is that your purpose for their lives comes to pass, that they fulfill the call that's on their life. So, Lord, we say your kingdom come and your will be done in the lives of these children, and may they be released from that poverty. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. So God bless you. Thank you so much. And um, we um, love to talk to you about sponsoring a child. It costs $12 a week. I don't mind talking about money. Jesus did it all the time. But that $12 can make such a massive difference in the lives of these children. And Ghana is a, a, a nation that um, is struggled and uh, it's in a, an area at the moment where ISIL is um, causing 
particular damage in Turgo, which is next door to Ghana. So um, keep praying for Ghana and its people. God loves them. Amen. Amen. Now, to bring you a word, um, Pastor Sam, you did say I had to finish at four (laughs) o'clock. That was a joke, don't leave. Just to bring you a word, uh, an encouraging word to um, prepare you for ministry. In Ephesians 4, it tells us that we're called to be equipped for the work of the ministry. So I want to affect your belief system this morning. Your belief system is that internal part of you, that invisible part that affects your choices, your decisions, and ultimately your destiny. So your belief system is really important. So as I speak these invisible words, which are spiritual because the spirit realm is invisible, and your eye gate and your ear gate receive them, I pray that it confirms what you've already been taught here, but your belief system is affected. Is that okay? That was three of you. What about the rest? It's a dangerous place. I've called this um, message the five P's. So there's five points. Usually um, pastors do three points, but I'm doing five, but I promise not to be too long. Um, And it's from the Old Testament scripture in Exodus 3, 8 to 10 uh, that I'm going to be reading from. And this is when Moses is in front of the burning bush with uh, God speaking to him. And it says in Exodus 3, 8 to 10, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. There's a lot of sites there. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. God gave Israel a promise. That's the first P. They were going to be delivered from bondage and brought to a land flowing with milk and honey, abounding with food and water, high-yielding agriculture, milk-producing animals, And in Numbers 13, it talks about the grapes, the figs, and the pomegranates. There's the the promise. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up from that land to a good land. See, it's a picture for us in our own lives that we've been delivered from Egypt. Egypt is a representation of bondage and slavery. And uh, we've been set free from that. For those that have made Jesus Christ Lord of their lives, they've been set free from the bondage of sin. It happened to me some, gosh, nearly 40 years ago now. You wouldn't believe that I'm 49, would you? No, okay. I've had a very rough life. 
But I, I was saved. I, I was living in Tasmania. I was building a mud brick house. I was an alternative lifestyle person. I lived in a tent, lived with a girl, and I had long flowing hair. I'd just like to dwell on that for a moment. <laughs> and uh, I came back to Adelaide um, for a wedding, and I hadn't seen my brother for three years. And when I got back for this wedding, um, people said to me, oh, your brother goes to church now. I thought, that's unusual. Last time I saw him, he was drunk as a skunk, saying goodbye to me, leaving for Tasmania. So um, they said, not only that, he's giving money to the church. Well, that really got my attention. <laughs> anyway, he witnessed to me and testified of the goodness of God. And I didn't fully understand all that he said. In fact, most of it flew straight over my head, but I saw something in him. And I made a decision to follow Christ. And that is why some 30-odd years later, I'm stood here in front of you good people talking about Jesus. It's because of that miracle of salvation that took place in my life. That is a miracle. That is the work of God. And I'm very, very thankful for it. So Jesus promised abundant life. And, you know, when I came to Christ, then I went to church and they said, everything's going to be wonderful now. And I thought, that's good. <laughs> they didn't tell me that life still happens and stuff happens and the ups and downs of life still happen. Come on, don't make me feel alone here. But um, I'm sure that you've had promises from God. I, I've had promises from God. But let me tell you, in the promises, there's always giants. Israel had a promise. And they never entered their promise because of the giants. My encouragement is look for God, listen for God. Open yourself to his promises because God brings promises. Who's ever had a promise from God here? Yeah. God promises, but there are giants. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes but not to kill, steal and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. There's a promise from God to, do, to have abundant life, but we still have a life that's here in a broken world. And the challenges that come with that. So the promises of God are sure and true. I'll tell you about my first promise that I got. I was only a new Christian and I was riding my motorbike. And God spoke in my helmet. I nearly fell off my bike. <laughs> he said, you're going to have a son. And his name's going to be Stephen. I thought, my goodness. And I drove around to my mum's place, knocked on the door, opened it up, and I said, God's spoken to me. And my mum said, he's spoken to me as well. I said, what did he say to you? She said, we're going to have a son and his name's going to be Stephen. I said, bingo. <laughs> that's, that's what he said to me. He didn't say it to Carol. <laughs> By the way, she was the girl that I was living with at the time. We did get married. And she did come to the Lord. Did take her a year, mind. 
But in that promise, we still had our giants because in the course of time, Carol got pregnant and I thought, here you go, here comes Stephen, praise the Lord. And she miscarried. In the course of time, we didn't have telly too much in those days, she got pregnant again. (laughs) And she miscarried again. And people who were my friends, but not Christians, said, where's your God now? With tears running down my face, I said, I don't know, but I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord. You see, that was a giant that came against me. I'm pleased to say that today, Stephen's over 30 years old and he's got three children of his own. But the promise was fulfilled, but there was giants. The next P, Israel experienced the presence of God. It says in Exodus 13, 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. The presence of God gave Israel guidance and leadership. The presence brought light and illumination. Israel's relationship with God was real. And today the presence of God is the same, is real, except it's not external anymore, it's internal. God with his people. We see at Pentecost, the fire came above their heads because God was signifying, no longer do I live externally in temples and buildings, but now it's in people. God lives in you and I. What an amazing thing. Look at the person next to you. Go on, have a look at them. That's where God hangs out. I want to encourage you that whatever you're going through, God is with you. Do not ask God to be with you. He is with you. Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always. John 14, 16, I will give you another helper who will abide with you forever. And Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is with his people. Spirit to spirit. And there he is to give guidance and leadership. We need the spirit of God. We need to recognize that he's with us. So that in his presence we can have the illumination because this is how Jesus is building his church. In Matthew 16, when Jesus said to the disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But Jesus said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And Peter piped up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Not the rock of Peter, but the rock of what Peter received, which was revelation from heaven. And God is building his church today on revelation from heaven. Jesus said, I will build my church. And he's building it by speaking to his people. And building revelation inside of you and inside of me. There's the Logos word and the Rima word. The Logos is the written word. The Rima is the living word. We need that Rima word. Come on church. For it living inside of us. 
We have the presence of God with us today. It's available to everyone who believes. When I read the word, I want it to come alive to me. I mean, sometimes I read the word and I think, what was that all about? Come on, don't make me feel alone again. (laughs) But then there's other times when it comes and it just becomes alive. Jesus is building his church and he's coming back soon. Amen? Amen. In fact, I've got an idea when he's coming back. Now everybody's thinking, nobody knows the day nor the hour. Yes, I understand that, but you are allowed to guess. (laughs) There's three great feasts in Israel. There's There's Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Passover, Christ came and died for our sins. Pentecost, the Spirit of God came. I believe it's going to be at Tabernacles. And Tabernacles is September Late September, early October, depending on what year. So it's a theory, it's not a doctrine, it's just a guess. (laughs) And before the Feast of Tabernacles is the Feast of Trumpets, and the loud trumpet will be sounded. So anyway, there's something for you to think about. (laughs) So we got the promise of God, we got the presence of God, we got the power of God. Israel experienced the power of God. Then Moses stretched out his hands over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back. I always think of Charlton Heston. (laughs) Who remembers Charlton Heston? All the young people are looking. Who's Charlton Heston? (laughs) Ten Commandments. Behold the salvation of our God, eh? That was good. Israel regularly witnessed and experienced the power of God. God's power delivered them from Egypt and right through the wilderness they experienced the power of God. It sustained them. God's power is available today in the believer. Come on. Jesus in Acts 1.8 said, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We need the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And the power of God is inside of you and I. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or even think, according to the power that works within us. You've got the power. You've got all the faith you need, all the hope you need, and all the love you need. Don't ask God for more love. You've got all you're going to get. Romans 5.5, For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. What happened when I took that step of faith back in Tasmania... The faith, hope, and love that I had inside of me, which every human being has, was turned into the God type of faith, hope, and love. The faith, Romans 12, 3, to every person has been given the measure of faith. Some people say, how much faith do I have? Well, Jesus said a mustard seed would move a mountain, so if you've got a bucket load, you can do a lot of damage. I've got all the faith I need. I've got all the hope. Hope that believes against all hope when there is no hope. Hope comes. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We've got the power. What we've got to do is learn to get it out. So Israel experienced the promise, the presence, the power, and so can we. They also experienced the provision. God provided for Israel. Exodus 16.4 Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quarter every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Jehovah Jireh provided for Israel. Their clothes never wore out. How would you like school shoes like them? Deuteronomy 8.4 In fact, my theory is the clothes would have grown with the children because they never wore out. How good's that? Jehovah Jireh, he provides for himself. He's first mentioned in Genesis 22 when Abraham and Isaac were going up the mountain and the there was going to be a sacrifice and Isaac wisely said, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God shall provide for himself. There's Jehovah Jireh. God provided. God provides for us today. Philippians 4.18 And may my God supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You are being blessed to be a blessing. Come on. You might bless others, bless the poor. God loves the poor. He wants his people. You see, God in heaven is not going to put his hand out. He's going to do it through you and I. That's the way. Look, if I was God, I'd have just stuck my face through the clouds and gone, boo, there I am, I'm alive. But God has chosen to use you and I to take his and bring his kingdom to the places that we live in. Wherever you work, you're taking the kingdom of God. Whatever you do, you're representing the kingdom of God. So the promise, the presence, the power and the provision Israel had. But they went in circles for 40 years. I'll do that again. You see, you can chase the promises of God, the presence of God, the power of God, and the provision of God, but still walk around in circles. Why? Because we have to connect to the purpose of God. There's a lot of believers today that are going round in circles. They experience the promise, the presence, the power, the provision, but they're not connected to the purpose. Every single person here has got a purpose in God. This church has got a purpose. The community out there don't know this, but they need you. They need you. You are the hope to the world. If you're not here, how will they hear? We're here for the purposes of God. Israel had a purpose, and that was to go into that land and take it. 
but they refused to because of the giants. Israel turned away from their purpose. They were scared off by the giants. My message today is, you have a purpose. It's inside of you. What God is looking for is for us to be obedient to that. Some people said to me, well, what's, what's the purpose? What do I need to do? Well, read the word. Now, I'm not saying this is a legalistic thing, but this is a mirror to who I am and to who God is and the purposes of God, the character of God. You cannot know God without knowing his word. You can experience God, but to know his character, his purposes, is to be in his word. And what God's called us to is to love him, which is easy, and to love people, which is not as easy. Come on, don't make me feel alone again. God's not my problem, you are. Can anybody relate to this? Or I've got some <laughs> nodding heads. Oh, you're quite vigorous about that one, yes. <laughs> Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other stuff will be added to you. Our business is the kingdom. That's what we're called to, because otherwise we should have it where people come and make a decision for Christ and then we get out the holy gun and shoot them and send them to heaven. But no, God's got a plan for us. Not for us to go to heaven, but to be here. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you are part of God's plan. We need you, we need one another. That, I mean, how unusual is church? I mean, it's a bizarre place. We come and we mix with people that normally we'd have nothing to do with. Is that right or not? I'm being honest here. But we are called to be a unit together so that we can affect the world. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. How can we do that? We can do it by helping, working together, sponsoring a child, whether it's with us or some other organisation. You are God's hands. You are God's voice. What a privilege it is to serve the living God. I do not want to spend my life going round in circles. I want to be in the purposes of God. Amen. Amen. I'm finished now. <laughs> um, I want to show you another video of a, a little boy, his life. Um, we're called to help people, whether they come to Christ or not. Obviously, we want them to come to Christ. And if you're here today and you're on that journey, I want to encourage you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask 
and it will be given. Just keep going on that journey. I used to think to myself, what's life all about? I get born, I live until I'm 80, 90. These days, maybe 100. Then what? Well, the good news is that Jesus promises resurrection life. I loved 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to get a new body. You see this magnificent specimen before you? That's not meant to be funny. <laughs> but I'm going to get a new body. Immortal. I'm going to be six foot two with eyes of blue. Coochie, 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 coo. Um, and you'll say, there's that guy from Compassion. God, he's, he's grown and look at his hair. Well, thank you so much for having me and Carol. And uh, I'll leave you with this um, video and I hope it uh, helps you understand the journey that some children have to go on. Thank you. I have not known my father or mother. I only know my great-grandmother and the man she says is my uncle, but he is not my uncle. The work is meant for men, so it's not good for children to do. They use them as slaves. A man came to our village, looking for boys to work on his boat. He had money. My great-grandmother said I should go with his uncle and he would look after me. He took me to a place I didn't know. I was six years old. They loved the children. They tried their best, but the byproduct of poverty, because the recruiters lied to them. The first time we went out on a boat, it was in the deep water. I was afraid. When the nets get caught, we dive down under water. It is dark. I feel my lungs burn. It's wrong. It's called child labor. Compassion is there to protect you. You are children. You have your right. You have your what? Right. Good. I will never allow myself to be Keep away on That's One day, we met the rain and the wind. We are calling out for God to guide us in. Then the wave crashed over us.
he has become a lord. And now he's in senior high school. He wants to become a mechanical engineer. I thank God that I'm now in compassion. My sponsor's name is Daniel. I want to struggle and achieve something so that my family will live a better life. Amen. <laughs> More children need to be sponsored so that children will be free and free forever. Well, thank you very much, David, for sharing with us this morning. And um, it was just wonderful to hear about Compassion's work in, in Ghana and around the world. And, and also thank you for sharing the message with us too. Um, I could hear from a lot of people you're really saying some things that were really connecting with us and uh, some real deep truths. So we, we thank you for that this morning. So those of us who are here this morning, there is a, a stall at the back with some more information if you would like to go and have a look. And yeah, if something is stirred in your heart and you'd like to follow up on um, sponsoring a child or being involved in some way, please go and see um, see the stall at the back. And for those of you at home, uh, please check out our Facebook page. We have a QR code there that links to um, the Compassion site as well with some more information specific to what we're talking about this morning. So um, we're just going to uh, wrap things up there and um, the team's just going to uh, just play a reflective song for us as we're finishing up, just mindful of time because uh, the kids have been out from the start. Um, just a reminder as well, if anyone like prayer for anything at all this morning, that the prayer room is open and available, so please make use of that if you would like to be prayed for. And uh, with that, just say once again, thank you, David, for coming and sharing, and uh, God bless you. I'll just hand over the team. Thanks, Kathy. Feel free to go and get your kids if you need to. Um, but we're, we're just going to sing. If you want to sit and listen, you can. Take my life and let it be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee Today, can I just get the guys up the back to maybe stack the chairs to give us some some space for fellowship? Uh, I trust that you've had a good time this morning. I encourage you to go to the stool, and for those of you who are online, we'll put up that QR code so that you guys can also get that same information. Bless you guys. Thank you. <laughs>